Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Not Just New Movies podcast, the show where we review a seemingly random film currently not in theaters. My name is Ben Pearson, and today we're going to be talking about The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Joining me is my regular co-host, Tyler. How's it going, man? Oh, man, I can't wait to hear the tale of Frodo of Nine Fingers. It's a great ballad. Oh, wait, you didn't watch the movie I did. Sorry, Uh, you would have gotten that. (laughs) I mean, uh, is it because Gollum bit off one of his fingers? Yeah, and then there's a bard that tells the story of Frodo of Nine Fingers. Oh, man. So as Tyler is alluding to, we watched two separate movies, uh, movie versions of The Mm -hmm. Return of the King for this uh, episode. So if you guys are just joining us for the show uh, for the first time, welcome. This is the Not Just New Movies podcast. And more specifically, this is the Not Just New Movies podcast, The Return, a Mm. miniseries in which we only review films with the word return in the title in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you can go back and listen to all of our older episodes at njnmpodcast.blogspot.com. I encourage you to do that. There's over 100 of them, so it'll take you quite a while. Yes. Uh, But, yeah, definitely do that. And, yeah, enjoy them. Exactly. So, uh, the the split here is that we sort of made this episode like a dealer's choice. Uh, we knew that we wanted to talk about Return of the King in some capacity, but we yeah. I, I left it up to the individual, Tyler and I, to decide which version we were going to watch and or talk about. And Tyler, I think you chose an animated version of this movie. Is I that did, right? yeah. Okay, so before we get into that, before we really dive into Return of the King and start dissecting it and talking about it in detail... I want to throw it to you for okay. the T-spot. All this right. is uh, a section of the show in which I basically just pass the rock to you and see what you have to say, what, what you're thinking about you, uh, you these days. You pass me so... a DVD copy of The Rock starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no, I physically hoist Dwayne Johnson over my Ooh. head and throw him to you across the country. An even more amazing uh, feat. All right, he so... should be crashing through your window any second now, so prepare for that. Hey, you know what? That's a movie. Um, so, Ben, I, I've been I've heard this thing about micro-expressions, and I've been having this discussion with my girlfriend about my impressions and whether they're good or not. So I have two expressions that I want to share with you and see if you can, uh, you know, just give me a little feedback, okay? Okay. All right, here's here's my impression of Harrison Ford in a movie of, of you know, one of his usual romps. Mm-hmm. Where's my family? Okay, so that yeah, was okay. that was Harrison Ford. Okay, okay. So does it sound did it sound anything like something he would say? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Now here's Liam Neeson. Where's my family? Mm, wow, okay. So yeah. now now do you see the difference? Yeah. There's, there's a slight it's, accent. It's grovelly still, one. but there's a little a bit of an accent. Exactly. Okay. So it's my my uh, thoughts have been well founded that those are two distinct impressions. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's... All right. That's the end of the T spot. That counts as far as I'm concerned. I thought so. maybe you'd be a little uh, more uh, critical saying that they both sound exactly the same, but uh, I'm glad no, we no. both see things eye to eye. I mean, one of them is the, the the Harrison Ford one is certainly a ripoff of Family Guy because that was the the, the whole Family Guy did, did, did an entire yeah. uh, bit about that where Harrison Ford, an animated version of him, is running through the street grabbing people by the collars and shouting, yeah, yeah. where's my family in their faces? But, but it's clear uh, that he says that on the opened jet. Uh, of Air Force One and <laughs> say right. it to yeah. the terrorists. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, all right, well, I guess going yeah, from, uh, I don't know how to transition out of Air Force well, I One mean, to Return uh, of the King. But... You have a family of characters in, uh, in The Return of the King that are split but now reunited mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by yep. the end of the movie. Um, good. Oh, yeah, hold good. for trailer. The eye of the enemy is moving. 
has come. Every day, Frodo moves closer to Mordor. How do we know Frodo is alive? What does your heart tell you? come to the throne of Gondor. It is time. Give him the sword of the king. Become who you were born to be. The precious sleepy eyes. He means to murder us! Never! I'm not sending him away. Come to me. The board is set. The pieces are moving. He is here. later but ben you saw the you saw the live act well we've both seen the live action version yeah yeah exactly we, okay. we know i mean i assume that everyone listening to this has seen the return of the king the live action peter jackson uh-huh. directed peter. version right. uh it moved, made you know like a billion dollars at the box office i'm pretty sure and swept um, the oscars it, yeah it made it, it won a ton of oscars uh I, I think all 11 for which it was nominated and it is the record has the record for like the most ever i think but wasn't that mostly Um, a reward for the entire trilogy don't they always say that that was what the academy was thinking right it's sort of a uh a career award almost where like yeah they're they're retroactively um tipping the hat to the first two movies as well even though because those didn't really get as many uh nearly as many uh, awards but um so I feel like we don't even really need to talk too much about the live action one. I'm more interested in hearing about oh. the animated version because this is a much more rare thing that people don't really talk about that much. Okay. Uh, I, I know that Ralph Bakshi, mm-hmm. who is a, a director that we've covered on this podcast before. Yes. Um, two times, he, I believe. He made, yeah, yeah. He made an animated version of The Lord of the Rings, but it's yes. only the first two books. Correct. And 
and he did not come back to create an animated version of The Return of the King. It's from an entirely separate group of filmmakers. So tell yes. me about this version of All the right. movie. So here, I, I bought the trilogy on Amazon, which I'm sure you can still find. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not like collector's editions or anything. They're just like run-of-the-mill DVDs. But it's got three movies. There's The Hobbit from, I want to say, 1977. And it was clearly a made-for-TV movie. And it was uh, produced and directed by Rankin and Bass. I think the same guys that brought us Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Heatmeister, <laughs> yep, and yep. Uh, all your classic clay, clay or stop motion, I suppose. Those aren't claymation. Those are stop motion. And so they produced and directed a The Hobbit film, which was really good. It was pretty uh, faithful to the, the material. Uh, I did a little bit of a review of it over at the uh, Trinary Solar System Sentinel, or whatever I call it now. Um <laughs> And then Which they, is what? What? What is the the address for people to go uh, find out there? I don't really want to talk about it right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, and then Ralph Bashke came, and I haven't seen this one, but he did the Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers in one, and I think it's properly titled the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um, but then, yeah, he didn't do the third part. The third part came back, and it was Rankin and Bass again. Uh, produced and directed this and they only refer back to the only callbacks they do is to the hobbit that they produced and this was made for tv as well but they it's it's actually pretty good consider if you know what happens in parts one and two and return of the king is a pretty good telling of what actually happens in the in the third installment so and it's a great uh interpretation of the material like it kind of I want to say it draws from kind of those Alan Lee concept art. I don't know if you've ever seen yep. any of those, but there was oh, like yeah. this '70s look to Tolkien. It almost felt like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of art, or Dungeons and Dragons felt like Tolkien art, um, and a lot of that was in there. Um, it's yeah, and if people don't know anything about Alan Lee, I would highly recommend first of all getting the extended editions of the Peter Jackson's oh. uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then diving into the bonus feature because more than I, I think any other movie bonus features this really gives you they really give you like a, a terrific sense of the sheer amount of insanity that went into making that movie in terms of like every little detail being like handcrafted by the people at Weta and like the the people involved with Peter Jackson's company and the uh there, there's so much of Alan Lee and his artwork that went into the formation and the the realization of those uh, of the films in that trilogy and it, it's really uh, re really remarkable to dive in and just you know I would say if you've watched the Lord of the Rings in the past decade don't you don't even need to rewatch the trilogy just go straight yeah. into the bonus features because you get to see so many amazing behind-the-scenes aspects of the creation of these films. There, there. It's like hours and hours and hours of bonus features. It's like it's crazy. The most in-depth stuff that you can possibly imagine. If you love the music of the movie, there's an entire uh, bonus feature dedicated to that, and it's like way longer and more uh, better produced than a lot of stuff that you'll find on the traditional disc. So anyway, yeah, and it's uh, before Peter Jackson had a nervous breakdown over The Hobbit. So you yeah, know, great yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I just wanted to give Alan Lee his his props there. So continue. And then, so it's made for TV, and it's also kind of made for kids, um, which is cool, really cool. It's not very insulting to the children because it is in-depth. It goes over maps. It talks about the names of the towers in Mordor. Um, there's, like, John Denver ripoff songs throughout. Uh, Samwise plays a really big role. Um, 
Gollum doesn't look anything like you. He looks like um, an aquatic, uh, almost like a Zora from The Legend of Zelda. Um, oh. And Gandalf is pretty awesome. He, he he narrates the whole thing, and he sounds a lot like Leonard Nimoy, but it's not Leonard Nimoy, although that's one of my gripes is they should have got Leonard Nimoy to voice Gandalf. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yep. And he also is the same voice of Gandalf in The Hobbit, too, so if they'd gotten Leonard Nimoy for both. And we know Leonard Nimoy loves The Hobbit. Um, Bilbo Baggins... Uh, is one of his most revered musical recordings. <laughs> I think they got John Huston to do the voice of Gandalf, the, the famed oh, actor yes. slash director. Yeah, so. and that was I think it was John Huston because they they roll all the names at the beginning. But um, and yeah, and it take the beginning is they're sitting at uh, Rivendell and Elrond is there and they're all kind of back together and they're like, yeah, man, we destroyed that ring. Everything's great now. So you're already in kind of a safe. There's a safe sense of security that everything turns out okay. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it goes into pretty good detail. The wars and everything are all pretty well explained. They, um, Yeah, and it, and it kind of feels like the Peter Jackson movie, except Aragorn's not a major character. He kind of shows up later, which, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of what the book is like. He just kind of... When I read the trilogy as a kid, or when I read Fellowship of the Ring as a kid, I didn't read the other ones until a little later, but... Um, he's kind of like a schluff off character and he comes back as the king. He, ben, he returns as the king. <laughs> right, and yeah. uh, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense when you would think like Gandalf should be king or Bill or uh, Frodo should be king or someone else that's a little mm-hmm. more of a main character. But uh, I mean, I want to kind of buy you a copy just so we can share in the, uh, the experience. But uh, yeah, it's definitely worth like the 20 bucks I paid. And uh, wow. I'm, re- I'm really excited to to watch um, Bakshi's interpretation because I watched I want to say half of it on VHS because I rented it from the library and didn't have enough time to finish it so I just kind of gave it yeah. back to the library and then never saw it again um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I it was really a good few, it was really good I watched a few clips of this online of the, the Return of the King mm-hmm. and um, it really gets into the nitty gritty in a way that even the live action movie doesn't. Like the, the, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. The narrator talks about at one point about the name of the battering ram that the orcs and the urukai use wow. when they're trying to, you know, take down, uh, lay siege to one of the, the castle cities or whatever. Um, and I was like, Man, that is like, yeah, I don't remember if it's Minas Tirith or the. I, I guess it must have been. Um, that's the other city. Yeah, but uh, but I was just like, man, they are really like digging into the minutia here. Yeah. Um, and Peter Jackson's film doesn't really have the. I mean, this this movie's only ninety eight minutes long, but I know. Uh, Peter Jackson's movie, I guess, is more um, concerned with like the realism of it, and because this is animation, it's able to lean into the fakeness in a way mm-hmm. I, I think yeah there's um, a lot that, of that, an abstract storytelling where like samwise will be walking and thinking to himself about what's going on so you don't have to like show anything it also probably is an animation limit where it's like we can't animate everything and so yeah. they they can yeah. tell the story in different ways and it's also made for tv so uh, it's probably a little easier to get your point across than in this yeah. huge budget movie where, yeah, you want to include yeah. everything you can. I don't know. Um, it was, it I, was, I think Peter Jackson may have even garnered a few ideas from this if he watched it, watched it. Cause even the Mount doom scene seemed very similar to what was in the, the live action version. I don't know if, yeah, if you remember there was yeah. like the crack and then the fight with Gollum and then kind of this struggle between Frodo and Samwise. And it's, 
Uh, it's in that animated movie too, and it seems pretty powerful because you kind of get to know these characters over the hour and a half that it is. Yeah, the, oh, really the other part I watched was the part on the battlefield where um, I think it's Eowyn uh, takes off her helmet and oh, she says, yeah. you know, I am, I am no man or whatever. And, and uh, she's like facing down the, uh, I guess that's... Uh, the Witch King. Yes, the Witch King. Uh, and and <laughs> there's a part where I, I forget which uh, hobbit is right there on the battlefield with her. Maybe it's Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, so. my God. It's a strong putrid stench. How does she bear it? And <laughs> and it's like, bro, that's just what every woman has to deal with. Yeah. It's like the stench of masculinity. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. This, this, the uh, stench this of the patriarchy. Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so I just and yeah, it was, it was funny. great. Like that. That's kind of how the whole film feels. Is like they're taking dialogue from the book and putting it to the lips of these characters. And this is for kids. So kids are now kind of being exposed to this high. Uh, you know, high fantasy speak and, you know, kind of this literature that that maybe adults were only able to understand. Um, yeah. So yeah. even from a the perspective of a child, like to open their eyes to what, you know, reading could be like or that you can get more from a book than what you see in the cartoon kind of makes me excited to, I don't know, if I ever have any kids or if I have any. And if you're listening, I'm sorry. I've been an absent father. <laughs> uh, I would definitely show them this uh, trilogy of, of cartoons because it's really great. It kind of, much like our Superman episode, it, it, it encapsulates the idea of, of Tolkien and the kind of the feel of those books. Um, so I don't know. It's, um, yeah, and- it's something that's lost in the 70s for some reason. Yeah, and in terms of like the fantasy aspect, I want to read you one sentence from the Wikipedia synopsis of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, here we go. Meanwhile, Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee are led by Gollum to Minas Morgul, where they witness the Witch King of Angmar leading an orc army to drive Denethor's younger son Faramir from Gondor's final defenses along the River Anduin. I mean, that is just like <laughs> nerd level shit right yep, there. You, you know, got like everything. Th- it is. It is in. It is insane that these movies, I mean, the the Peter Jackson ones and especially, were such huge mainstream events in in, uh, Hollywood history. Like, this completely changed the game. There would be no Game of Thrones without the success of these movies. It opened the door for fantasy in such a a monumental way that uh, I don't know if anything else could have really uh, done you know if there would have been some other because it was a trilogy and because they filmed it back to back to back and because it was so detailed and so well crafted I just don't know if anything else would have had the same impact and been able to kick down the door in the same way that those movies did and and the idea that there's an animated version of this movie from 1980 that also is equally nerdy and opened the door to a whole different generation of kids and and potentially introduce them to all this nerd level shit is uh it's pretty great like there you know you you just don't see stuff like you start to see um more things like this after the success of peter jackson's lord of the rings right but still the idea uh, there's something so pure i think about the animated version of this movie and and i'm just getting that from watching a few you clips online i haven't even seen the whole thing like you have but there is something to, that strikes me as very very pure about this and very like um uh, I, don't, I don't know what the right word is but just inspiring i guess would be like the idea that uh that something like this could exist for mainstream audiences back then um it, yes it is smaller and it isn't nearly uh 
as huge in scope and like as expensive and and the idea of it being relegated to animation like animation is a bad thing um uh, is is worth mentioning even though i don't think animation is a bad thing but you know what i'm talking about there's like a a uh, uh, hierarchy of of things in the public eye and live action is generally considered like a a, a more yeah, um prominent Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I don't know. I, I just I feel like this movie is uh, it, it's sort of amazing that these exist. I guess is what yeah. I'm, is a long version of what I'm trying to say. Oh, Mr. Rank is calling. Rankin. Sorry, um, yeah. Rankin. Bass. You yeah. ready for the sequel? Hello. <laughs> you guys want to do Cimmerillion? <laughs> um, no, it's 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 very artfully done, and it doesn't. I mean, you mentioned movies today, and you can kind of kind of always feel the corporate slime that's left on a movie and you can just kind of he's like ah oh, there was a there was some executive that had to approve this and and this it doesn't feel like that here it kind of feels like someone got their vision of of Tolkien and they got to put it on screen or they got to put it on paper even though you know a lot of the animators were japanese um mm-hmm. they got that idea or they got those designs and even like the last part of uh the return of the king which is uh some would even for Tolkien fans be strenuously long in the Peter Jackson version. Um, yeah, it it kind of the the action ends like maybe ten or fifteen minutes before the end of the movie, and it is like Frodo talking about you know what he's going to do, and and then they start playing some music, and Bilbo goes, oh well, I'm going to go with Gandalf and Elrond to the you know to heaven basically to the land of the mm-hmm. elves, the land of the gods, yep. and even that scene is like somber, and they don't they're not insulting the children like you know how kids. A lot of times they expect kids to be like uh, empty or or, or in, in a vacuum, and you have to like constantly keep their attention. Like this right. doesn't do that. It it's a lot of the music is very I don't want to say hippie, but it's very like chill and not psychedelic, but like that, where it isn't yeah. like in your face, and it, it just kind of sets the mood and and continues the story. There are a lot of points in the movie where songs pop up, though. But um, yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's artfully done. It's a, it's a nice piece of of work that uh, every Tolkien fan should take in. And the idea of the songs, like that, makes sense in terms of uh, it being an accurate adaptation because there's tons of songs all yeah. throughout uh, the Tolkien's work, like just sort of peppered in the pages of the literature that he wrote. Right. So um, so yeah, it, it, that totally makes sense. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to mention here, Tyler? Did I mention Tolkien's a genius? <laughs> I think you have. Okay, okay. We did an entire month of Tolkien and oh, that's uh, right. What was that in, in the five cast? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The five cast podcast uh, now rebranded five cast and stuff. But yeah, uh, was it uh, December of 2015? I believe was Tolkien month, and yeah, we did five. That sounds straight. right. Was maybe 2014. I can't remember. <laughs> but no, let's talk live action for a second. Did you? Uh, we saw this low, long ago, 2003, but we've also seen it probably multiple times since. Yes. And would you? And so, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about with the live-action version? So I, I heard somebody on a different podcast, I don't even remember what it was, but they were talking, they used this movie as an example of um, a filmmaker making a film that in, that utilized visual effects in such a, a cutting-edge way that it instantly dated the movie. Hmm. And, like, I don't know if I fully agree with that because I think I've seen... I mean, okay, so we're talking, I guess, specifically about, like, the motion capture stuff that Andy Serkis did as Gollum. Right. And the, uh, maybe the battle scenes at the end, right? Okay. Like, the 
I don't think we'd ever seen anything on this scale before in terms of large-scale CG-created battles. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you look at it now, it's not going to look as good as some of the stuff does in 2018, but it still looks pretty damn good. I mean, it's like there is so much love and... um, and care and detail that went into the making of every single costume and all of those things. And that is the stuff that really stands out to me now instead of like just watching something and being like, oh, yeah, that particular shot looks a little wonky in terms right. of the visual effects. So I, I think the the clear respect and, uh, and uh, reverence everyone had for the source material shines through in a way that overshadows any complaints I could possibly have about the um, the visual effects and, and how they how they may or may not be dated. And I think, I, I don't know, I just thought it was sort of an unfair uh, line in the sand to draw and to, to sort of plant this movie in there as like an example of, of uh, Hollywood doing it poorly. Um, wow. w- yeah. Seemed a little weird to me. Like, maybe maybe the matrix or something like that, you know, where, um, like maybe the matrix sequels, I guess would be a better example where you will look at it. Those were great. Even, well, I mean, you look at it (laughs) even then. I I remember seeing those in the theater and instantly thinking like, Oh wow. Neo looks really rubbery and bizarre when there's that huge fight scene with like 50 of him or him fighting 50 agent Smiths or whatever it was in the second one. And I never for a second thought, Oh wow. That, that looks weird. Uh, when I was watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the first time in theaters, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thought about thoughts about this? I mean, I try to watch it, and I haven't done this in a while, but I tried to watch it, like, every year around Christmas time. I'd watch the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I, my personal favorite's always going to be Fellowship of the Ring, just because yeah. it, it, it just... Yeah, it, everything that I felt when I read that book for the first time is in that movie. So, like, you're, you're never... I'm going to take it to the grave saying that that's the best of the trilogy but yeah to say was he saying just this one or the whole trilogy because I, either I think way it was just the whole trilogy was yeah. probably the the claim but um i mean but yeah, yeah still... you're, you're right like the, the not only the costumes and the sets but the landscape like everything is kind of hits the right tone um even after i've said that the cartoon almost did everything right like it's hard to say that jackson's lord of the rings trilogy did something that was that deviated from the the Tolkien verse or deviated from the original trilogy, right? Um, as opposed to the Hobbits, which obviously we can talk about in another episode some other time. <laughs> but yeah, it's I don't really think of movies as um, so you're probably talking to the wrong guy. I don't really think of movies as special effects instruments. Like if if the special effects are so bad that I am constantly laughing at the movie, then yeah, you've got a problem. But I've never really questioned the quality of the Lord of the Rings based on its special effects. I look at it through many other factors before yeah. I even get to special effects. So even if it looks old, like still, this is a fucking amazing set of movies that yeah. redefined our word epic. And when we use the word epic, it's like, well, it's not Ghost Army uh, taking down a huge <laughs> elephant epic. So, you know, why don't you right. rein it in a little bit? <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think you know, we probably said it before, but like, I, I do not think there has been a more impressive, uh, film production than right. what, than this trilogy still it's 2018 and nothing 
comes close to this for me in terms of like jaw dropping um uh, just like the amount of the sheer amount of work and artistry that went into crafting a thing not just making a thing because a lot of times you'll see and I don't want to like throw shade at the Marvel movies, but like sometimes those feel more made than crafted. But you really watching the Lord of the Rings and and I mean even going as far as to say the Return of the King specifically, mm. you can feel the the craft in every single frame of the movie, and yeah. that's that's uh, really tough to do and something that I think should be uh, praised from on high. So I, I mean I guess as high as the towers of Minas Tirith been. Indeed, indeed, and higher. Uh, oh. So I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia page right now, and it says that Return of the King contains 1,488 visual effects shots, which is nearly three times the number from the first film and almost twice that of the second. So they okay. had a lot Got to bigger. do in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of like the the workload there, and I think especially considering how quickly these films were churned out, like one a year that's pretty damn impressive that they were yeah. able to scale this thing to a level where the final product still looks pretty good today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I bought yeah, that anyway. thing on Blu-ray real quick. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm usually a fan of not updating my collection, but that's one of the movies that I got right away when Blu-ray started becoming more prevalent. And, uh, and I haven't looked back since. Yep. Haven't gotten on the Hobbit though. So still waiting on uh, that to drop in price a little bit before I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I but will, I will not be buying that trilogy. We'll just put it that way. But, <laughs> oh, you um... can't get it for me for free uh, from Mr. <laughs> no. Jackson. Okay, no, I well, cannot. well, Ben, yeah, uh, Return of the King is a great finish to a larger trilogy, which was originally supposed to just be one big book anyway. But uh, as a movie, it's a great uh, imperial stone on the crown of of the greater series. Very um, well put. Yes. And uh, oh yeah, I forgot. There's a crown in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, do you think that the ending, though, a little, a little too much? Maybe uh, uh, sync that up a little bit. Maybe just a little too much. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I, I don't. I should really like next time I go back and watch it, like bring a stopwatch and and hit the the button as soon yeah. as I think it's heading into its first ending. Right, and then and then it's do like it. The fall of the... Sauron's tower. <laughs> then you can start. Yeah, I think it's probably like an extra forty-five minutes That's or something great. before oh. it actually hits the the actual end. And right. in a normal movie, it would be ten minutes or something yeah. like that. Um, so, but I mean, well, I, I think that it's was like... one hell of a ride, Gandalf. You got it. He put sunglasses on in the credits roll. <laughs> High five, slow mo, freeze frame, and then that's it. Uh, Stan Bush's dare plays yeah. in the background. You got it, Strider. Um, I mean, King. Dare, <laughs> I mean, your highness, and then like an eagle cause out he, of like, nowhere. He and revs his motorcycle away. and just tears out onto the road into a sunset. Oh man, we got to work on a remake. Oh, <laughs> that sounds man. amazing. Modern time, Return of the King. Um, all right, so yeah, I think that pretty much uh, wraps up our thoughts about uh, Return of the King and, and maybe the Lord of the Rings in general. As, yeah. as Tyler mentioned, we have done like five hours worth of yeah, yeah, podcast yeah. content uh, on this series uh, in, in some form or another. But we so, haven't reviewed all the movies, so there's still a chance for more. Maybe, maybe. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, we don't know what movies we're going to be talking about next time, mm-hmm. but uh, it will have the word return in the title in some capacity. We can promise you that because we are still in this mini series, not just new movies, the return. You can leave us a voicemail oh. at 904-469-6566 and email us at notjustnewmovies at gmail.com. Maybe you can send us some suggestions 
for films with the word return in the title that we could talk about in our next episode. It'll be probably a little while before we record, although I guess by the time people are listening to this, they... Yeah, (laughs) you're not thinking fourth dimensionally here. (laughs) ...long have been recorded, so ignore everything I just said. Uh, In any case, you can go back and find all of our episodes at njnmpodcast.blogspot.com. Tyler, where can people find more of your stuff online? Well, Ben, you have the Fivecast podcast and stuff uh, over on Twitter, at the Fivecast, and we're also uh, got a YouTube channel and, of course, our original podcast feed um, in iTunes. And, of course, the And Stuff Podcast Network, Ben, uh, one of our uh, possible shows is Dirty Gold, um, the only show on the Internet that talks about Booster Gold and Dirty Harry. Um, so every episode melds somehow the themes of Booster Gold, the comic book character, and Dirty Harry, the Clint Eastwood character of, of films past. And uh, I don't know. That seems like a podcast that might get some legs based on what I've done my research. I don't know any Booster Gold catchphrases. Otherwise, I'd try to work one in with, yeah. are you feeling lucky? <laughs> get over but, here, uh... skeets. <laughs> um, skeets, but... you punk. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there is also the NJNM Twitter at NJNM Podcast. And the official hashtag for not just new movies, the return is hashtag return JNM. Um, so we use that last N in return as NJNM. So use that hashtag, okay. uh, use that hashtag pot and family to connect with other uh, shows. And I think, um, uh, yeah, I think this, Ben, I think this episode's got us, it's going to make the not just new movie show super popular. I didn't, I didn't seem too uh, positive last episode. Definitely positive now. Okay, good to know. Yeah, you guys can find more of my stuff at SlashFilm.com. I'm writing there all the time. You can uh, listen to me on SlashFilm Daily, which is the daily podcast we have over there. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. And again, be sure to leave us a email here or a voicemail, not just new movies at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about Return of the King or any film with the word return in the title. Let us know. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.